Welcome to this version of this week's Chip Talks. Today we're going to be talking about blood, which should be fun. So all you vampires out there should have a heyday with this one. Um, but we're going to be talking about the importance of blood and how you work. And what does blood do? Most of us know kind of what blood does. But we'll talk about kind of the crossovers between other systems. And tie this back into what we've been learning on kind of this journey uh, of what I'm trying to teach you guys and disclose to you guys. So anyway, uh, here we go. So should be fun. Uh, today is a nice day. It's been kind of uh, windy and cold and rainy and icy here in Oklahoma. So today's a beautiful, nice, bright, sunny day. And um the sun is a good thing. So we like the sun here at Chip Talks. The sun is our friend. The sun does good things for us. So anyway, let's dive right into this and uh, we'll get going on blood. So let me get over to where I need to be. Okay, blood, obviously. Um, so what we're going to talk about today really is where the cells come from uh, that sort of make up our blood system and what cells are vulnerable and uh, how those cells basically can be attacked and invaded and, you know, how, how you can be weakened, let's say, by, you know, an attack on those cells. So what you're looking at here is how, and again, I hate this word, hematopoietic, you know, hematopoietic, but for whatever reason, that word just is screams, don't pronounce me to me. Um, <clears throat> but this is where all of your stem cells, well, these are stem cells, so those guys are stem cells. They form in our bone, okay? So they actually form in bone, and they form in these things called notches. And these stem cells are really, really cool. It, they can divide and like, you know, one of them can kind of go down these paths and become something else and the other one can stay a stem cell. So they're constantly regenerating and constantly renewing themselves in these places called notches in our bone. So it's really cool. So we're always building kind of these stem cells that we need to build blood cells and to build immune cells, but that happens in notch in our, in our bone. Now, um, we'll talk about this, but it, that is just a, a perfect place to invade you, right, is in that notch and right where these guys are formed. But anyway, so the stem cells will differentiate, again, the formation of stem cells themselves and what they differentiate into. So they're going to differentiate into more of themselves or into other things. That is controlled by the endocannabinoid system, boys and girls. So again, if you don't have strength in your endocannabinoid system, you won't have strength in the production of stem cells and you won't have strength in how they subdivide, which is super important. Put it this way, like if I really give you, I just want you to kind of look at this as a decision tree. So an if then else, and, and let's look at down at these innate lymphoid cells, the T cells and the B cells, the natural killer cells, this stuff on the right, okay? So if I really amped up inflammation inside of you, I really got you, you know, over, let's say inflamed where you had a lot of those guys, guess what? You're not making red blood cells. Guess what? You're not making granulocytes. You're not making platelets, which come from megakaryocytes, okay? 
So it's a competition thing for stem cells. And, you know, in a perfect, healthy, balanced human, you know, this sort of has a predictable and logical flow. But if you're sick or you're inflamed, then again, you're going to be sort of pulling resources down the right side of the tree that maybe should be pulled down the left side of the tree. And that's super important when we look at disease, because again, if you have um, platelet, you know, issues, if you have red blood cell issues, you know, problems forming those or problems, um, you know, with those and those being healthy means something is wrong in this tree, right? So something has invaded or jumped this tree and, you know, you're not able to do that. So, and it could be a resource thing. So resources going one way versus resources going the other. All right, so what is in blood? Well, a lot of stuff. Almost everything you find in your immune system, you'll find in your blood system, but you've got a lot of water, you've got ions. So blood is electric. Blood is water soluble, so it's, it's, it's water, although you move around fats, but fats kind of move in these little guys called lipid rafts, which aren't shown on here, but they, they do move around. And then you move around fats in um, like cholesterol measures. So HDL and LDL are in your blood and that's, that's what moves around fats. So I would guess here, those are proteins and nutrients on this little graphic. Um, wastes also move around in your blood. Uh, gases move around in your blood. So what does that mean? Well, the purpose of blood, one of the main purposes is to move oxygen to cells, right? So every cell in your body um, that is oxidationally, ox, ox, that is uh, performing properly, let's say, oxidative phosphorization that is performing that task has to do that with oxygen. So if you're running a marathon, again, your muscles need a lot of oxygen. So you've got a lot of oxygen in your blood. Uh, what else is here we need to talk about? Oh, and then the other thing so that we don't think about, again, we're taking oxygen to the site of where it's needed um, in cells. We're also pulling back carbon dioxide as a gas and we're releasing that every time you exhale, right? So all that happens in blood. It's a pretty sophisticated thing. Um, a lot of you is blood, which we'll talk about in a second. But these are the main guys. If you think about like um, blood versus immune, I guess. So these would be things, and that's differentiated. I think they call it myeloid versus lymphoid, but these are the myeloid guys. Um, and, you know, red blood cells are erythrocytes, and they're over here on the left. Um, they are very unique and interesting. So we're going to drill into them because they're kind of defenseless little guys. They don't have a nucleus, they don't have DNA. Um, they don't have much of an immune system, but they kind of have an immune system um, that's important, so that we'll talk about. Uh, megakaryocytes are the things that form platelets, and so these guys are dancing around you all the time. Uh, little guys will break off of them, and they're what uh, clot your blood, you know, if you have a cut or something like that. Super important to how we heal and how we kind of repair and, you know, otherwise we just sort of bleed out through our eyes and stuff if we didn't have platelets. And then the guys are down at the bottom are more immune, let's say, uh, related. So they're more the guys that get released if we have some kind of event. So if we get invaded by a virus or bacteria, then these guys will be released and they will, you know, attack the site of injury 
Um, and in some cases, they are inflammatory, uh, certainly, and they will cause or, you know, uh, they, they don't cause inflammation. You know, the bacteria are what cause inflammation, but these guys are what go to the site and kind of make things, well, they cause it, but it's a, you know, cause and effect type thing. They wouldn't, you wouldn't get inflamed without some kind of bacteria or virus, if that makes sense. You don't get inflamed from stuff inside of you that's trying to help you, okay? So that's the point I wanted to make. All right, and so here's another look at kind of the same graphs that we're looking at. Again, you can think about competition and in, in any one of these decision trees um, is going to affect, you know, how resources flow. So if you have a heavy need down the right side, you're not gonna have as much resources left for the left side, right? So important to know, important to remember, you know, we want this obviously balance. We want our bodies to be able to defend ourselves, you know, but we don't, if we're chronically inflamed, then, you know, we're gonna be pulling resources down the right side of this tree, right? And that's gonna affect the left side of the tree. That's just the way things work. All right, do blood types play a role in this? Yes, it turns out they do. And this is really interesting. I, you know, I, as I was researching for this and this talk, I, I had dived a little bit down the blood type rabbit hole, but never as deeply as I did for this. So um, we have different blood types. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> well, this is really cool what it means, but let's go through the types. Okay, so there are the types. So you can be A, you can be B, you can be AB, or you can be O. And then you can be positive or negative uh, within those. And this gives a little bit of a percentage of, of who's what, but most of us are, you know, A positive or O positive. Um, a, B, I think negative, yeah, there it is, is the rarest uh, blood type. And I think O negative is the universal donor, you know, maybe, so something like that. But anyway, that's, that's kind of the way it looks. Now there's another way to differentiate blood types and uh, like a physician would know about this, research professionals, um, but, and you may have heard of this, but it's called Lewis, Lewis antigens. And Lewis antigens are basically what determine blood type. So a type A would be a certain type of Lewis antigens. A type B would be another type. And there's lots of different blood types. I can't remember how many, you know, over a hundred, let's say, but it, they all categorize in kind of this A, B, A, B, or O, uh, and those relate to these Lewis antigens. So does it matter? Do blood types matter? Well, what happens is, I don't know if I have a graph. No, I don't have a good, oh yeah, I do, kind of. Okay, so these guys are the guys that are kind of make up uh, part of the Lewis, uh, uh, these guys that basically make up blood types. So the guys in the middle there, um, they ride along on top of red blood cells, okay? And so if you're type A, you've got a certain type riding around on your blood cells. If you're type B, you've got a different type. If you're type AB, you've got a different type. And if you're type O, you've got a different type of these guys that kind of ride along. They're like hijackers or hitchhikers that ride along on your red blood cells. Well, does that matter? Well, it turns out it does because bacteria use a proliferation strategy of riding along on the same blood cells. So they mimic these Lewis uh, antigens and basically can ride along on a red blood cell and look like, you know, the thing that makes the red blood cell a type A, which is kind of cool. And H. pylori definitely does this, uh, uses your blood to kind of move around. Um, 
Yeah. So again, does it matter with cancer? Yes. Lewis Y antigen stimulates the growth of ovarian cancer cells via regulation of the epidural growth factor receptor pathway. So cancer likes to grow, as we all know, it's got to proliferate and it uses different growth factors to do that. So sometimes it's the oxygen, kind of lack of oxygen growth factor. And in this case, it's the epidermal growth factor. But the way they get away with it is they get on red blood cells and look like Lewis Y antigens. So they look like the very thing that again, makes blood type A or type B. I don't know what Lewis Y is, but it would be you know a thing that makes type A or type B type blood. Okay, on the red blood cells, again, the, the stuff in the middle is stuff that rides along uh, with uh, red blood cells. So it's, it's basically can attach to red blood cells. It's kind of part of this Lewis antigen structure. If you look at uh, phospholipid ethanol myelin, so that's the guy that combines with fats to make endocannabinoids, by the way. So he's a pretty important guy. One of the most important guys in your body controlled by an enzyme called NAPE, PLD. But what's interesting about red blood cells, where they're really interesting. So I think they're the only cell in your body, you know, or certainly just very few cells in your body that don't contain a nucleus. So red bloods are pretty simple. Red bloods, red blood cells are pretty simple. They do not contain a nucleus. Uh, they fill up with gas, so their purpose is sort of to fill up with oxygen when you oxygenate in your lungs, and then they take that oxygen to wherever they're supposed to go, and then they fill up with carbon dioxide and bring that back, and you exhale that. So gas exchange is super important. Again, when you have something under hydrostatic pressure, like blood, uh things work a little different gases behave a little bit different so that's kind of interesting about 70 percent of all of your cells are red blood cells 70 percent so you know you're uh mostly red blood cells and then mostly water so there you go uh that is really interesting and if i'm a bacteria you know i'm gonna kind of I'm going to like that as a invasion uh, situation, right? So if 70% of you is, is a certain thing and that certain thing is unnucleated, meaning that it kind of doesn't have much of a defense mechanism, I think I'm going to like to invade those guys, right? So I'm going to like to set up a home and a camp inside of red blood cells or at least use them and ride along with them like H. pylori does. Okay, and so you have about 20 to 30 trillion of these things at any given time. This blows me away. I was remember reading about this a couple of years ago, but it, you completely circulate your blood in 30, I mean, in 60 seconds. So like if I had a monitor, and let's say I could see blood, you know, it's actually gonna be better up here, but let's say I could see your blood through here. Again, within a minute, I could get everything in your blood. I mean, I could assess everything that's in your blood, everything that's circulating in you, which is pretty darn cool. Anyway, these guys are simple cells and uh, they do have membranes. So they have guys that ride along with them. Uh, and those are the guys that you see in the middle there. And there's reasons for that. So cholesterol needs to move around and these guys need to move around for structural repair, for signaling molecules, to build things. Again, you've got your main endocannabinoid builder right down there by cholesterol in the middle. So pretty cool. 
All right, red blood cells in the immune system. So do these guys have an immune system? Well, it turns out they do, a very basic one. So they will express something called TLR9, which is different. It, uh, whereas TLR4 and some of the other ones will sense like LPS, which is about what bacteria use to signal with and proliferate with, TLR9 more senses DNA. So it's more looking for DNA. It's a more, let's say, basic uh, receptor. So it's looking for presence, not um, proliferation, uh, which is important, right? And, and again, if you hit TLR9, what's gonna happen is you're going to promote an innate immune activation, okay? So that's pretty important. Like if I'm a bacteria and I know if I hit that guy, that I'm gonna get a lot of killer cells uh, sent at me. So I'm probably not gonna to wanna to hit that guy because I don't want to invoke an innate immune response if I'm a bacteria, because that'll kill me. Okay, so what happens and how these guys get activated? Well, they get activated again by DNA, uh, bacterial DNA. And it's a certain type of G DNA, which we'll talk about in a, oh, it's right there, PDC DNA or PDG DNA, sorry. Is that it? Hold on a second, I gotta give you the right stuff. Yeah, CPG, so that second bullet there, CPGs are what uh, light these guys up. CPGs, cytosine and guanine. Uh, but anyway, so it when they find those DNA expressions of cytosine guanine together, that's gonna invoke an immune response. Uh, TLR9 is activated by that DNA. The immune response is different depending on the type of DNA detected, and that's what this graphic is showing. Uh, again, if I'm a bacteria and I want to force you down uh, immune response, force those cells, let's say, to differentiate in a certain way rather than another, uh, then that's something that's important. Uh, and TLR9 is expressed on all blood cells. So every single blood cell will express a TLR9. So what does TLR9 recognize? Well, if you look uh, kind of down the bacterial column there, so nine will recognize bacteria, but not in the same way that four does. Four is looking at LPS. Nine will recognize parasites. So like helmets and things like that would be recognized by uh, TLR9. And it will also recognize viruses, which is important. So again, you've got a bacterial and virus defender um, that are associated with your TLR4, 9, 2, toll receptors, which is interesting. And 4 and 9 are associated with parasites, and 4 is associated with fungus. So 4 pretty important, 9 pretty important, all across the board. Uh, 7 is really more associated with uh, synthetic compounds. And by the way, quinine interacts with these guys quite readily, and uh, we'll probably be even doing a chip talks at some point. So HCQ, remember HCQ from COVID time? Well, guess what? It helps here. All right, so <clears throat> TLR9, so this is the big thing that I kind of want to get to you guys in the, the, the aha moment uh, with uh, how bacteria proliferate, okay? 
So TLR9 is circadian. Uh, and what that means is it'll express at certain times and not express at certain times. Express at certain times and not express at certain times. So you can see that on the kind of graph uh, at the bottom right, uh, both of those graphs, the L graphs, let's say, are when uh, these are expressing during certain times and not, um, and super important kind of when that happens and, and not. So it's looking like, you know, seven hours after wakey-wakey and 19 hours after wakey-wakey are when TLR9s express. So what does that mean? Well, if they're not expressed, the bacteria can just run rampant all over you. So there's no way to detect, you don't have a way to detect them, right? Without TLR9 expressed. So what happens is, again, bacteria, uh, well, I'll read through this first. So TLR9 is circadian. So the circadian molecular clock modulates TLR9 expression and function. So again, it's not going to work at certain times, and it's going to work better at certain times. There are in vivo, that means inside your body, daily variations in the responsiveness to CPGs, so the things that impact, that activate TLR9. So again, at certain times they're responsive, at certain times those are going to work, at certain times they don't, because at certain times you have a gene expressed, and at certain times you don't. The time of day determines disease, disease severity, <laughs> disease severity in the TLR9-dependent sepsis model. So again, how bad it is depends on the time of day. Wow. So if you're out there, let's say um, you uh, have some disease and it's worse in the morning than it is in the evening, or it's worse at three o'clock than it is at six o'clock. This is why, this is the very reason why it, you are sort of your immune system goes to sleep at certain times. And when it goes to sleep, all these bacteria move around and do things. And then when it wakes back up, they kind of calm back down, but they use your circadian rhythms against you, which is horrible. Uh, timing of immunization determines TLR9 ligand adjuvant vaccine responsiveness. So they put a TLR9 effector, some of these CPGs in uh, vaccines as adjuvants so that you it basically kind of make sure you don't have a severe reaction right when you get the vaccine. Let's just put it that way. Um, so it's kind of, again, whatever guys, I, just, I don't know why they do, you know, they, they know this stuff and they know this stuff helps, right? So they put it in with a vaccine so the vaccine doesn't cause a severe reaction and you can leave the doctor's office and then you go home and get sick. Yeah. Uh, and again, it matters. All this is saying is that those work better. So sometimes you get sick at the doctor's office because the adjuvant didn't work because your circadian rhythms were off and you didn't have genes expressed to receive them. So again, whoops, yeah, pharma, we got somebody sick at doc's office. Oh no, we got to rethink this. Anyway, they know this stuff. That's what I'm getting at. All right, so again, it's circadian. How do you affect it? Well, again, you can block it, but you don't wanna block it when it's active because when it's active, you want it to be impacted. If you've got, let's say you've got a bacterial infection, okay? So what do you wanna have happen? Well, when it's open, you want it open to the bacterial DNA. So you want it stimulated by the bacterial DNA and you actually wanna probably overstimulate it with a supplement. Okay, 
because that's going to cue all this stuff in your body to tell your body, hey, I've got bacteria in me. I need to get after it. I need to get a bunch of soldiers marshaled. I need to marshal the army and the Navy and the Air Force and go attack, right? So that's what you want to have happen. Right now what's happening is these bacteria are playing games with you. They're waiting till you go to sleep. And they're going, hey guys, let's move around. And they move around, then you wait till you wake up. And they go, hey guys, let's quiet down now. And that's kind of what they do, right? So you can, you can use their strategy against them. So we want to marshal the armies when they're moving around. So we want to hit, basically when the gene is open, we want to hit it with stuff and the bacteria will hit it with their DNA and the, they'll basically know that they're there, right? So we want to hit it with stuff so we invoke this response in your body to go kill the bacteria. When it's closed, we want to block it, right? So we want to basically, we want to block it for the bacteria at opportune times and we want to stimulate it and let the bacteria stimulate it at opportune times. Hopefully that makes sense. Okay, so um, HCQ is, uh, so re remember COVID and <laughs> remember when, uh, right at the first, right? When, when we were first talking, started talking about COVID and everybody started talking about HC HCQ, hydroxychloroquine as a potential solution for COVID. And remember the powers that be just flipped out. I mean, if you, if you talked about HCQ online, you were banned forever. Um, if you spread any rumors about HCQ, you know, you were kicked off social media for trying to help people. Are you effing kidding me? But there's a reason for that. And again, hopefully we figured out now there's a business model over there. Those people want you sick so they can make you better. So they make money off of you on both sides. So they don't want you to know about things like HCQ and hydroxychloroquine and how it works in your immune system and your immune response. So again, it's a helps. Uh, TLR9, okay? HCQ, quinine will do the same thing. Sometimes you're going to want to block this guy. Sometimes you're going to want to stimulate this guy. And it just depends on what's going on. And again, we'll learn more about that as we kind of get in and start doing research here. This is pretty new, guys. So it's, you know, I'm up here in theory. Um, this needs to be, you know, well kind of researched and thought out. But if you're a researcher or something, I'm giving you... Uh, all you can eat for the rest of your life, just down this one pathway, okay? Uh, okay, so anyway, sometimes you wanna stimulate these guys and sometimes you wanna block these guys. And it depends on what type of bacteria it is, what their proliferation strategy is. Are they going at four or two? Do you wanna block nine, block four at the same time? Do you wanna stimulate four, block nine? Do you wanna stimulate nine, block four? It's looking like those all kind of do different things depending on the type of bacteria that has invaded us. All right, so if it's not just apparent, it, it should be apparent that circadian is super important in how we think about how our bodies work, in how we design drugs, in how we design therapies, in how we look at how diseases work, and how bacteria work, and how bacteria proliferate, in how they make us a host so super important the circadian rhythms in our body super important how we disrupt the circadian rhythms okay so last thing i just want to make this point about uh, genetics neurology and baseball so you know we've all probably heard 23 and me and get your genetic testing done and you know find out your genetic roots and 
and oh, it's a genetic disease. Well, poor thing, she has a genetic disease. She'll never be any better. And um, we've heard all this stuff about genetics, but you know, how do they really work? Well, again, you're born with a template. So you're sort of born as a starting place with some genetic expression. And then, and then you immediately start changing that genetic expression. And a lot of the genetic expression has to do with clock, has to do with circadian rhythm. And again, your body is not real good at doing everything at once. It's a very efficient machine. It wants to focus on things. It wants to focus on, you know, it can kind of do other stuff while it's focusing on this, but it really needs to kind of focus on this. And so throughout the day, we have different focuses of what our body should be doing. There's no, again, there, there's research to indicate that this happens, but there's no research to say what turns off and on when and how does that all work yet. You know, again, there's a whole lifelong research project for somebody, but somebody will kind of do that before too long and we'll be able to know, oh, well, at certain times we're building hormones. At certain times, we're working our immune system. At certain times, we're structurally rebuilding cells. And, and you know, and there's more, way, way more that we do. But when does that happen throughout the day? And how do we, when should we eat? Again, because when we eat, we disrupt that whole thing. But anyway, the way that that all works, and it's very clear now, that, that it's through genetic expression. So you may, if I look at your genetic expression at 8 a.m., that's gonna be different than it is at 3 p.m., okay? That's super important in pharmacology. I mean, if you're a pharmacist, if you're a you know, PhD researcher, whatever, in pharmacology, uh, you should be going, oh, wow, bummer. Because what I'm saying is, it's not that it invalidates all the past research, all the past research is still valid, but let's put it, the best way to illustrate this is melatonin, okay? <clears throat> so at noon, you have no genetic expression for melatonin. Your melatonin receptors are not expressed. You don't have any catcher's mitts to catch baseball, okay? The melatonin baseballs. So consider the melatonin receptor as a mitt and the melatonin as a baseball. If I measured, so if I give you melatonin at noon, it's gonna have no effect, why? No catcher's mitts. But if I measured it in your blood, you would have it in your blood, okay? So if I was a researcher and I measured it in your blood, I'd say, uh, you're under the influence of melatonin. Melatonin is circulating in your blood, so it must be influencing you, even though it's not. Even though it's not, okay? If I give it to you at 8 p.m., you have catcher's mitts. You're gonna catch all the baseballs I put in your blood. It's gonna affect you. You'll have the same amount of circulating in your blood that you did at noon, but now you have an effect and now you don't. Genetics, okay? But genetics don't, genetics work on a daily basis. A lot of genes express and unexpress on a daily basis. So if I measure you at one time, again, they may not be expressed. If I measure you at another time, they may be. I don't know this about this gene, but wouldn't it be interesting to find out that that MTHFR gene only expresses at night? So guess what? Every test we've done during the day, it's not expressed. You would have a gene deletion. You see what I'm saying? So again, they open and close, just like flowers in relation to the sun, which is really, 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 really cool. 
but it also is something that you have to take into consideration if you're a pharmacologist, if you're a medical professional, if you're a nurse, if you're anybody, because again, what works for me at certain times won't work at other times. And there's generalities here, but there's specifics here that are super important. Anyway, that's about it, guys. So that's about all I got for you today. Um, hopefully that was good. Hopefully enjoyable. Hopefully you learned some stuff. Again, we're just laying basis for stuff down the road. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about down the road, but I can't kind of get you there from Sikkim. I gotta, I gotta come here. So we gotta go come here to Sikkim to get you there. So that's what we're doing. We're building, we're building the stuff, which is super exciting. And you know, the conclusions are already in all of these. I talk about them all the time. Again, it, we're, we're controlled and run by the sun way more than we think we are. You can spell that S-O-N if you'd like. Um, you know, you're a godly vehicle. You're a godly thing. You work in a logical and predictable way. You do not work through chaos and confusion. Those are the tools of the other fellow. So anyway, we'll leave it there today. Have a good weekend. Uh, see you guys.